Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro Dakota UK's weekly podcast on all things mental health. I'm Ellen. And I'm Yvette. And this is a fancy little bonus episode starring Rochelle Bisson. She's chatting about what it's like going from being very private about your mental health to actually being on TV, receiving therapy. So basically everyone can see it and has something to say about it. Rochelle appeared on BBC Three's documentary called Can Robots Love Us? which you can watch right now on BBC's iPlayer. It showed Rochelle receiving virtual reality therapy from Michael Carthy to help her overcome her fear of being trapped. So what kind of effect did it have? Let's find out from Rochelle. It's been really drastic and I wasn't expecting it to be that drastic. And especially on the first session to then walk out and Michael go to me, do you want to get in a lift? And I go, "Mm, no, but yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's try it. And having that ability to think you can do it just by trialing it in a virtual kind of reality, a virtual world, um, it really makes you think you can achieve it in the real world. That that must be the theory behind it. That must be it. And it has been quite sudden, considering that when I had CBT, I, I did that for about two or three months. And I didn't experience the same kind of click that I did now that oh you know this this could really really work I th- I kind of thought this might work but this has been very definite I, yeah. I feel like I can do it I feel confident I can push myself I can get on with it and hopefully get to the point where I was a few years ago did you feel at all like self-conscious or worried about doing virtual reality therapy because I know for a lot of people they're like I'm going to feel silly with the headset on or like everyone's going to be watching me do it. I did feel like a bit of a wally with that headset on, I'm not going to lie. I felt more of a wally when I took it off and I was bawling my eyes out because it had worked so well. I was like, great, this is going to be on TV. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it is, 
It's mainly because it's new. I think that's why I was worried. Um, I think Michael's the first therapist to do it in Europe, which kind of makes you think, oh, is there a reason why no one else is doing this? Um, but I think it's because it is a, quite groundbreaking. It's probably ex a bit more expensive. It's probably practical reasons, not necessarily that it doesn't work, as I found in my case. Yeah, I can definitely mm. see how it would work. Because even in terms of phobias, you have kind of exposure therapy. Mm. And this seems like it could be like a safe way to expose yourself to a situation like yeah. without the actual real life threat. That's definitely how I felt about it. Um, I wasn't scared about putting that headset on. That's the thing. Whereas normally, if I'm walking down to a tube station, I'd be petrified. And as I said before, you can just you can just take it off. If you're really, really freaking out and you know you're not happy with it, you can take it off, you can step out, and you're in a room. You're in a nice room. He has a really comfy chair. <laughs> you know, That's it's important. great. It's very, very relaxing. <laughs> you say you set yourself challenges. Is there any way that you could do virtual reality at home or like with an app? Um, I think you probably could, mm. but maybe not in the very specific way that was in yeah. the therapy, um, because it, it's a highly intelligent bit of software that's been developed specifically, and you have the specific situations. Um, but my theory is that you can you can buy this stuff, you can have it in your home. Um, you know, it's it's a smartphone, it's a virtual reality headset. Um, I'd say they're affordable. I, I mean, in terms of technology, they're relatively affordable. I think what I've realized from doing this is, wow, maybe if we had more research and we had um, people looking into how they can make this affordable, maybe this is something that could sort of map over onto the NHS or something that can help more people. And I was really lucky, obviously, I got to do it through the documentary, but it's probably quite expensive. I, d I don't know. And the fact that it's a private therapy and it's, to me, it's so good, that really, oh, it, it aggravates me as much as I'm inspired by it and I think it's great, but so many more people could be benefiting from this. And that's why I always say this, I always bang on about more funding and more research, but there are these little things creeping up here and there that can help so many people and if there was a bit more money it could quite easily be something that could reach the masses it's the whole experience as well isn't it because I was just thinking I suppose maybe if you had for instance like I mean I don't like spiders if I've got a phobia of spiders in theory I could sit myself down and make myself watch arachnophobia to kind of somehow get myself used to it but that's not really the same as what you've done which is sort of be kind of right in there and also have that companion have somebody talk you through mm. how to deal with the situation because I I mean we sort of it sounds very sort of you know futuristic and whatnot virtual reality but you do have the very human side as as well don't you if there's someone yeah. helping you there and I think that's a big part of what the documentary explores as well um because yeah Michael the therapist was a huge part of it I wouldn't have been able to just whack the headset on and get on with it myself he taught me through it he helped me learn breathing techniques and positive thinking techniques and you know maybe a robot can't teach you that or even a bit of software might not be able to react to you in the way that a human could but yeah in the documentary it really looks at how human robots actually are and how they could get and 
I think another part of the documentary was about an app, which is like a therapist bot. So you can essentially text it and... Yeah, um, for people with depression. So yeah, really interesting. yeah. And th that's what I mean. There's all these things sort of appearing in the technological world and they have such potential, but they are created by humans. That's That's the bottom line of it. So can we ever omit humans completely from any kind of therapy or any kind of help. So was this the first time that you'd been talking about mental health openly? On TV, yes, but um, I've been doing a lot of media work already. I've, I'm uh, a media volunteer for, for Mind, so I essentially, I'm there when journalists ring up and want a case study. And I don't think I would have done that a few years ago, but I had this epiphany. Um, I think it was while I was really down and was really lacking in confidence because of my anxiety. And I was struggling to talk to a lot of people about it because of what I said about lack of understanding and that there was an element of lack of trust because of how people had let me down. And I thought there's a big issue in society here. There's this massive stigma and no one talks about it. There's very few people talking about it. And ever since that day, I kind of pledged to myself, I'm going to talk about it as much as possible because if we don't do this, then it's never going to solve anything. It's never going to break the stigma. It's never going to make people feel comfortable to come forward and say, I've got an issue, I need help. And ever, yeah, ever since that moment, I was determined to talk about things. So to me... The documentary seemed like quite an, a natural thing because I, I do a lot of media work around my anxiety. But I also blog, so I have my own personal space that I can talk about it. And that's nice because you feel like you can control that and you can say exactly what you want. You can put it out there however you want. You get a bit scared when someone else has that control, but they also have the platform to share what you want to say, share your story further and wider so it's a balance of you know telling your story trusting a journalist who I suppose a lot of people don't trust journalists um I've come from that background I work in media so maybe I trust a bit more and I understand the industry a bit more and I know how things can sometimes be cut and pasted I suppose and I was worried about that more with the documentary but I mean, they were great. They showed it to me before. I was quite happy with it. And at the end of the day, I was happy with everything I said during the filming. So I thought they can't really do much with it other than that. What kind of response have you had to the documentary and also your subsequent appearances on TV? So I think overall they've been positive. I, I don't think I've seen anything negative towards me personally. Um, I kind of hope that there's nothing in there to react negatively to. Um, but, it, it, yeah, because it was, it was a massively positive experience for me. Um, I think because the documentary touches on some other quite controversial topics, um, that, that has maybe been the source for some of the more negative comments. But it actually opens up a really interesting debate um, on the relationship between humans and robots, whatever that is, on any level. But um, to me, I've had really, really nice comments, especially from friends and even putting it on Facebook. There's people that 
I have not spoken to in years, on my, even on my personal Facebook, maybe from uni- university or old jobs, and they're messaging me going, oh, wow, tell me more. Like, tell me about your experience. And that's exactly what I want. I want people to ask questions. I want people to hit me up on Twitter and say, wow, I don't really get how this part of it works. Because I think until we talk about it more and more, we're never going to get over what mental health is to a lot of people and a lot of people are scared of mental health because it's a very volatile thing it's it's scary for the people involved it's sometimes scary for the people who aren't involved so if we are talking and we're more honest and discussing all of these things and we're all just generally more open as a society I think that's what can essentially break this stigma and make things better for everyone with your VR therapy um, as well as it being kind of a new therapy for you, you also had a camera crew in there and a guy sort of chatting to you. Was, how did you feel about that? Was that difficult? Because I think for me, if I had a camera crew sort of listening into my therapy, yeah. well, I wouldn't. I'd kick them out. <laughs> so how did you feel about that? Yeah, I understand for most people that that's a really scary thought. And even opening up to a therapist is a big step for a lot of people. And I think... Obviously, I was being offered this therapy as part of the documentary and I thought, wow, what a great opportunity to try it, something that might work. So that was always in the back of my mind. But I don't think having a film crew there necessarily put me off, mainly because I met them all beforehand. Um, I met the director before they even sort of okayed me to be in it. Um, So... I met the director first, we had a really nice chat um, and I also spoke to a psychiatrist through the BBC so they made sure that everything was okay and this, this was before any filming had even happened so there was a lot of discussion, a lot of people made me feel very comfortable and very at ease before I'd even you know, opened the door to some cameras because they came and filmed in my home and yeah a lot of people would find that really extra intrusive, not just in the therapy session but also in your house but the first thing they did was sat me down on my own in a bench in my garden and they interviewed just me and they got to know me and it actually eased me into it a bit more um before you know the whole crew came along and there were suddenly like five people in my house that had cameras and but they were all lovely and they were all very passionate about the project as well and I think that really comes across um, especially from the presenter James, who is an incredible person, and we we kind of clicked as soon as he came through the door. We were laughing and joking about you know what we had to do and what uh, what was ahead of us. And part of the filming is uh, is just us two driving in my car up to London to the therapy session. We had a great chat. We were talking about all these things and the documentary. And by the end of the day, when they said to me, do you want to get in a lift? I said, I want James in there with me because we'd built up this nice little connection and he's, he's a lovely guy and he made me feel a lot more comfortable. So in terms of having people there in your therapy session, I was actually quite happy to have James there. And, and after a while, I didn't even notice the cameras. And also I had this big headset on so I couldn't see him a lot of the time. So that's an interesting point. And yeah, I don't think I've really noticed but I think a lot a lot of people would be affected by something like that. It's it's a it's a big deal to have someone come in and sort of shine a light on all your very personal mental health issues. While you were going through it, were you kind of mindful of the fact that 
thousands of people would be watching what you were doing later. Yeah, I suppose that is always at the back of your mind. I tried not to focus on it. And I don't know, I I do amateur theatre in my spare time. So maybe I'm used to having people watching me do things. But that's different. You can put on a character. This was just me. And I think, again, having everyone there being really friendly and putting me at ease and showing their passion that helped and I didn't notice it after a while and I think so when I went on the Victoria Derbyshire show to talk about it I I was actually a bit more nervous I was like oh this is this is actually quite a big deal a lot of people watch this and we went in the studio and it was this sort of big empty space with about five people in it and a couple of cameras they were all like chilled out and I was like oh well, it doesn't feel like a lot of people are watching me and you forget about it. So I think the people involved in filming these things really help a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever feel the urge to kind of hold stuff back because you didn't want it to be shown to that many people? I don't think so in the case of the documentary, mainly because I've done quite a few media things before. I think the first time that mind rang me up and said do you want to do this I was really careful about what I was going to say especially because I work in this area every day I actually set up case studies for a charity for a living as well so I'm I have experience on both sides and I I know how things can sometimes be taken out of context and I've had to deal with that before I've had to say to journalists you can't do that that's you know that's wrong the case study isn't happy and so I had all that in the back of my mind but after a while I realized the more I did it, the more confident I got. I knew what I was saying. I knew my story. And I just had to relax and think that I was just talking to a friend. And I, I feel now that I, I'm quite confident doing it. And I know I'm not going to say anything stupid that I don't believe in. Because why would I? You know, it's, as long as you're relaxed and you feel like you can, you can talk passionately about a subject... It, sh- it should be fine, yeah. Have you watched the documentary back? I have, yes. Was it weird <laughs> watching yourself do therapy? It was, yeah. Especially because I was standing in this room with this headset on, yeah. sort of wandering around like, what's going on? Like, And you're looking at a window, there's nothing there, but to me there's something there. So that was quite funny. But yeah, I remember sitting down the night it came out with mum and dad and we, we put it on iPlayer and <laughs> it was a little bizarre. Um, But at the same time, I was really intrigued to see the rest of it because I hadn't actually got to see the other people involved and the other topics that were mentioned. And there was this great bit on it about um, uh, a guy and they were talking about like care bots. But obviously that relates to mental health as well. Like Elderly people feel very lonely a lot of the time. And there was such a big mental health link kind of throughout that I hadn't expected. Mm. So that was lovely to watch. But... I think the first time I watched it, I was really cringed out, just just watching myself. Yeah. And you always think of the silly things like, oh, did my makeup look good that day? <laughs> or like, oh, I'm saying um too much. Yeah, I like always that. feel like I say mm, uh, mm. But, you know, I feel, I think they cut that uh, a lot. Trust in editors to make you sound <laughs> Love editors. Good, which is always handy. Were you nervous when it was actually released of, kind of, did it sink in? Okay, this can be seen by a lot of people. This, everyone is going to know that this is what I'm going through. Yeah, and part of me wanted that to happen in a weird way. Not not because I'm like, oh, look at me, I've got mental health. Like that's, I think a lot of people confuse 
bloggers and people who talk about it in the media as some sometimes being attention seeking and I worry that I come across like that but you that's totally thank you that's totally not my game I, I'm for the greater good here I'm for challenging the stigma in society in general finding answers trying to help as many people as possible and I've always said from the beginning if one person watches this documentary and goes oh, do you know what? I need to I need to sort this out. Maybe I should try this. Goes and finds the therapy and it works for them. I, I can I can sleep happy. You know, I, I'm thrilled about it. And there have been people who have messaged me and have said, can you tell me more? Can you let me know where I can find this? And just passing on the link to Michael's website has made me feel so good. I've been like, oh, wow, they might find their answer as well. And in a few months' time, they might be more confident and be, you know, stepping on the tube all the time or whatever their their mental health issue is. So this is goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from mentally, 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 mentally Mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues in this episode, please contact Samaritans on 116123 or go to their website, which is samaritans.org. And if you like this episode, please do give us a review on iTunes. We would very much appreciate it. And also give us a follow on Twitter. We're at Mentally Yours, yours spelled Y-R-S. Thanks very much to Sam Bonham for producing the show and also to Lucy Baker for our jingles. See you Monday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 